How important is your level of English for landing a job at a company in North America, for example? Either because you are going to work at the office or because it is a remote job. And then other questions come. For example, what are some strategies for you to perform better at your job interview? What are some tips you can implement so you can increase your possibilities for getting hired? These questions have an answer today and we have an expert to cover these topics. We have as a guest on our podcast today, Mujida Sakibu. She is an expert immigrant career coach. And what she does is exactly helping immigrants land jobs at Canadian companies. And not just land any job, but a job that connects with your expertise, your experience, and your degree. So if you're interested in advancing your career opportunities, landing better jobs, and performing better at job interviews in English, this episode is for you. Let's listen to our conversation with Mujida Sakibu. Welcome to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, the ultimate resource for professionals looking to improve their English skills. If you have an intermediate to advanced level of English and you want to improve or experience a lack of time and practice opportunities, we're here to help. Every week, you'll have a new episode that addresses your specific English language needs, providing tips and insights to help you excel in business meetings, negotiate contracts, deliver impactful presentations, or engage in casual conversations with international colleagues. Don't let the lack of time and practice hold you back. Tune in and unlock your full potential as a fluent English speaker. Mujida, thank you so much for joining us today at the Fluent English Pro Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. All right, um, Mujida, today we are going to talk with you about a very crucial topic that is using English to find a job in a foreign country. In this case, it can be Canada or it can be the United States, in your case, Canada, but because that's where you're based. But before we start with those topics, let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm Mujida. I'm an immigrant here in Canada. I moved to Canada with my family in May 2022 last year. And before then, I I was based in Nigeria primarily, and I've always wanted to travel abroad, right? I've always wanted to travel and see the world and see all of the things. And I did a couple of times before. So it's not my first time leaving my country. I've left a couple of times before, but it's always come down to like, you know, work and trying to land a job, trying to find something permanent, you know, so I could just get the work visa, et cetera, et cetera. But it just never worked out, right? It never worked out. But, you know, 
thankfully I got my Canadian PR and here I am in Canada and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. But one thing I'm super happy about was that I was able to carry a lot of learnings from my previous experiences trying to find jobs in those countries and apply the same here in Canada. And it was really helpful for me, you know, trying to find my new job. I was able to get one in about seven weeks because I honestly feel like I've just been preparing my whole life for when I finally land here and get a job. Like I had so many years of preparation and experience and that just really, really helped me in my process then. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. Um, I work as a product manager in my nine to five. So I'm definitely in the tech space and building all of the things, but I'm also an immigrant career coach. I specifically help immigrants in their new countries land six figure roles um, because I personally believe that we tend to forget our expertise, just how good we are and all of the good work we've done as soon as we get to these new countries and we immediately shift to like, oh, I have to improve. I have to impress these people so that they would hire me, forgetting that we were already incredible people in our home countries. And we just really need to translate that experience to these guys so that we get hired. So my work is really just helping immigrants own that experience that they have, use it to build confidence and use it to learn six-figure jobs because that's what we came for we didn't come here to play <laughs> amazing and i like that you emphasize what kind of jobs people are going to find uh, so just just to recap a little bit your your specialty is helping immigrants find jobs in canada in this case and not just any job but six-figure jobs or jobs that match an area of expertise and all the career experience that person brings from their origin country, right? It's not like, uh, of course, uh, labor, skilled labor, uh, I don't know, like cleaning and construction, that's perfectly fine. But it is not the only option you have if maybe you have a degree or you have expertise in a different area. Because sometimes as, as newcomers to a new country, that's sometimes the only options we see. And I understand it's difficult for some people at the beginning because everything's new, but it's not limited to just that, even though those are very, very important jobs as well. Yep. I agree. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. I remember before migrating here, one thing we kept hearing from the people who had come before us were like, oh my God, when you get to Canada, you have to take a survival job. You have to take some, you know, something that pays like $10 per hour and like work at the counter and do all of these things because you absolutely cannot just get a job without Canadian experience. And that just, that just never made sense to me. I'm like, I'm really good. I have so many good experiences. I've done good stuff. Like, I'm not the best person ever, but like, I feel like something about what I've done should, you know, should definitely be more valuable than having to take a low paying job. Like, no offense at all, but it, it really just wasn't matching up for me. And that was something I just kept hearing. And thankfully, I was able to find a community that was talking a different language. I found people online who were doing way, way better as immigrants in new countries. And I'm like, what did I do? I want to do it too. So that was definitely when I started to plan my career when I landed. Like, I am not doing a low-paying job. I want the six figures. I want the high salary. And I was not interested in becoming like a developer developer, but I'm like, what is the next best thing? And thankfully, I found product management. We felt like a really good blend of all of my skills and experiences. And I just started to build my portfolio from there and made sure I had really good experience. But honestly, like you said, 
it was the same thing we kept hearing. When you go to Canada, you have to take a low paying job. When you, you know, you travel, you have to work. Like it just, it just never made sense to me. And I'm so glad that was not my story. I appreciate that you start the focus with a mindset shift. I think that's very important because sometimes we come with expectations, either good or bad, and maybe making those adjustments in our our mindsets can help us get a lot of different results, very different results. Definitely, definitely. Now, Mujira, there is a, a, a first aspect here of landing a job as an immigrant in, a, in an English-speaking country, and that is the English language. Some people are already quite proficient and they are fine with it. Some of them are proficient but do not feel confident enough with the language. And some of them are not that proficient yet. So if I come with a degree or, or if I'm an expert or if I have experience in a particular area, how key or how significant is being proficient at English to be able to land a job? In an English-speaking country, very, very important, mm-hmm. right? Very, very important. Like, especially if you have a role that would be customer-facing, right? Where, say, for example, like a customer support job or literally any customer-facing role, sales, etc. It will be important that you're able to speak English because when it comes to hiring, one of the things that they would, you know, I want to, I can't find a better word. One of the things that would judge you on is how clearly are you able to communicate with their potential customers, right? And you do want to leave that impression that you're able to, right? However, I do work with colleagues who are not from English speaking countries who their English is not as pronounced or as clear as mine, and they're still able to do their jobs really, really well. So it's two things. It's like, what kind of careers are you going for? right? If you're going for something that will be customer facing, you definitely have to be able to speak really, really clearly. But if you're going for a career, say, for example, in development, you're trying to be a developer or you're trying to pick a skill that a career that is very, very specialized skills, then maybe being able to speak fluent English might not necessarily be a priority as long as you're able to communicate and pass your ideas on clearly, Right. So it really just depends on what kind of career that you're choosing to go for. And that's something to definitely keep in mind. If you're looking to more something customer facing, then take the time, invest in improving your English, speaking more clearly and letting people be able to understand you. But if that's not the case, then focus on building really, really highly specialized skills. Right. And so that, I mean, at the end of the day, they would prioritize your ability to do the thing that they need you for over your ability to speak to people or speak fluent English because that's not the priority of the job. It's really just, can you do the thing that we hired you for? So it's just two things, one thing to think about, like what career path are you going for? That would definitely influence what your level of English proficiency should be before you start going after those roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do think in both scenarios, you should still focus on continuing to improve your English. Definitely. Yeah, it's like one definitely. is more urgent than the other. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So one is much more urgent. Like you have to be really, really smooth speaking before you can take a customer facing role. Whereas for a developer, you might still stumble. You might still struggle to find the right words or even just to, you know, a heavy accent or something like that. That might still be a struggle, but you can still definitely get hired and you will improve on your communication as you go on. 
Great, great. So um, in this process, Mujida, a person looking for a job, what, uh, as an immigrant, what are common challenges a person who is a non-native English speaker might face during a job interview? And this doesn't have to relate necessarily to language skill. It can be related to other areas. But I, I mean, in terms of being an immigrant, what challenges can you face at a job interview? Definitely confident. It's like, it's the one thing that I see over and over again, even with my clients, right? Through no fault of ours, we tend to see our language as a major barrier from us being able to get the job, which is understandable, right? But one thing I see is we're usually much more focused on like, oh, they don't understand me when I speak or, you know, I'm not talking clearly, that we forget to work more on the value that we're bringing to the role or emphasize that value that we're bringing to the role a lot more in our interviews because we're so nervous and distracted by, oh, how did I sound? Oh, did they hear me properly? Oh, did they understand me? And that alone takes so much away from your confidence level in interviews. Right. So it's never that, you know, you don't know how to do the job. I mean, you apply to the job, you became an immigrant. Like I was reading something recently and it's like the fact that you're an immigrant in a new country, it's a sign that you were exceptional from wherever it is you're coming from. Right. Now, with that in mind, if you are already an exceptional person, then all you have to do is focus on helping them to see that, making them see that in the interview rather than worry, worrying about all the things that might have gone wrong or the words you didn't say correctly or what you mispronounced while you were speaking. So definitely a confidence level. Right. And that is even in the interview while it's going on. Now, there's the part to preparing for the interview itself. Like I had a client who she heavy accent, you know, from a different part of country. She's in Europe actually, and she's trying to land a job. And she's like, well, I've done this thing, but I don't think I have experience. I don't think I have enough experience for the role. I think my profile is really junior. And I was looking at her resume. I'm like, why do you think your profile is junior? You've literally done everything they're asking them. They're, they're hiring for. You are definitely the best fit for this role. And she's like, well, I'm not so sure, you know, because I don't have this job title and that job title. And it really just made me reflect. We do so much from where we come from that we underestimate just how valuable the experience we have is right? Because it's a different job title or a different industry or even a different market entirely. That doesn't take away from all of the good work that you've done before. So two things, it all comes down to confidence, but not being able to, not being able to clearly articulate the value that you bring is definitely a challenge in your interview. And then being distracted by maybe a mistake you made or a slip of tongue or some word you said incorrectly, being distracted by that so much in the interview that it just, just you know takes your mind away from actually performing well and making sure you can communicate how valuable you are in the interview. Amazing. And are there any tips or strategies you can suggest a person to, to implement so they can either reduce that stress, increase their confidence and perform better at an interview. So they display more confidence and more value. Yeah. Two things. So I'm a huge advocate of applying to jobs you can do in your sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is something, <laughs> this is something that I experienced myself that, you know, 
when I got here and I started to apply to jobs, it felt like somehow I just wasn't good enough. I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how to do that. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. This, this doesn't make any sense. There has to be something that I can do really, really well. Right. And I focused my application on just those ones. And it was night and day. When I finally got to the interview for the job that I have currently, it was like a perfect match because I was speaking directly to what they needed. And my experience and the work that I've done was just perfect for them. Right. So, one thing I like people to do before they go into interviews while they're applying to jobs is don't just apply randomly. Don't apply to a hundred jobs just because, you know, you're trying to beat the algorithm or beat the ATS or something. Focus on the jobs that you feel really confident about how well you can do them. And yes, those kind of jobs pay six figures as well. I'm a testimony to that, right? So focus on those ones and then prepare in such a way where your experience is a perfect fit for what they want to hire for. That alone does wonders to your confidence level right? Once you've been able to do that, then the second step to like just getting much more comfortable talking is find communities online or find people online where you can do mock interviews together. Practice talking about your experience, practice answering these questions. Just let people listen to you and you yourself get comfortable talking about the things that you would go ahead to go say in that interview. So I feel like with those two things alone, it will do wonders to the results of your interviews going forward. Yeah, I think it depends on culture, but sometimes speaking about yourself, uh, it's complicated because we are taught, but I, I'm speaking here about like the Latino culture, we are taught that we have to be humble, thus we, don't, we do not speak highly about ourselves. And, and, and you have to learn to speak highly about yourself to display the value and the transformation you can bring to a, to a company. I'm laughing because... I can relate so well, like even back home as well. You don't talk about the things you've done. You have to stay humble. You have to like, you can't praise yourself. You can. <laughs> and I think to this, I would say it definitely, it takes practice, right? It takes practice being able to confidently say, I did this. I did that. I achieved this. I achieved that. Right. But one thing I tried to do, though I, I do remember doing in the early days was I started small. Right. I'm not an advocate for like overblowing your credentials or the things you've done. So because I mean, I'm already uncomfortable saying what's actually true. Imagine trying to promote something that has a little bit of fabrication in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what is actually true here? What did I actually do? Okay, I did this. I did that, right? So I didn't start with talking about like, oh, I generated this amount of money for my company or I brought in this many customers. I started with things that felt, even though they didn't seem huge, they were still tangible. I helped my team achieve this. We were able to deliver this in a certain period. So when I started to speak more to my experiences, I started with things that were, so I helped my team, right? I helped my team release a product that did this, this, and that. Now, I'm not taking all the credit, right? Yeah. But I'm also still highlighting the role that I played for that success. 
So I started, I started with saying it that way and then it got a bit more comfortable for me. And then as naturally, as my role started to progress and my impact started to get bigger at work, it then felt even more comfortable again to be able to say I was responsible for doing this at my company or I was responsible for doing that at my company. But honestly, I think it's just Nigerian in me. I still always say like my team and I, my team... (laughs) My team and I. So there's definitely some cultural thing to that. But I think starting with just make sure it's tangible, right? It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be loud or some flashy result, but something tangible that is relevant to the role that you're applying for. Say that and start from there. And over time, you do get really, really comfortable talking about these things. And that's why the mock interviews are important as well. Finding people who you can rehearse these things with because they can give you feedback and say, oh, make that more pronounced. Or why don't you say it this way? Why don't you say it that way? And that really just helps too because you're so to talking about it that way, it makes it so much easier for you to talk about it in an actual interview. Absolutely. I think rehearsing that type of conversation makes it a lot easier when you have like the actual, the actual interview. Amazing. Mujira, going back a little bit to what you were saying on looking for jobs that, uh, that you can do while, while you sleep. Yes. Like that you can apply your expertise on you, that you can find that sweet spot. But beyond that, are there particular jobs or industries that you have found are harder or easier for, for immigrants or for non-native speakers to, to land? I wouldn't say industry. I would say more the type of the role, right? Personally, I've found that in roles where you're an individual contributor, it's easier for someone who is an immigrant, you know, new immigrants, new country, blah, blah, blah. It's easier for them to get into those kind of roles versus managerial or much more senior roles just out of the gate. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure why, you know, I'm trying to think about it now. And it's like maybe something about, you know, being a senior, being a manager, not having, say, local experience or not having done something similar in that country might not be to their advantage. But I've seen that it's easier for us to get into individual contributor roles as a developer, as, you know, just roles where you're not in exactly in charge of managing people or managing business outcomes, right? Maybe that's another way to say it. Roles where you're in charge of managing business outcomes, those are easier for us to get into than roles that are the opposite of that, right? And honestly, I don't fully understand it, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either, right? Um, if you have a lot of years of experience and like you're coming from your country, you're a manager or you used to be, there's definitely things you can do to put that to your advantage. But I would say that the bulk of the bulk of us, the bulk of the population, the bulk of us that immigrants, we're still definitely very much in that IC space. But I'm always an advocate of take the opportunity you can find, ramp up really quickly, and then use that too to go get your next one. So yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just something I've noticed. I don't fully understand it, so I'm going to think about it a little more. Yeah, I, th- I think it might have to do a little bit with culture and a little bit with uh, people trusting that you are familiar with the local laws and the local like way of doing things. So I might, that might influence 
the decision definitely making that I'm influenced yeah now that I mentioned culture do you think culture plays a big role when you are trying to land a job because for example in a, in an English speaking country you have so many different backgrounds so many different histories so many different worldviews how can that open doors or maybe affect your process of finding a new, a new job? Really good question. The way I would answer that is when I'm interviewing, I really just try to focus on like what do they need, right? Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, I really hope everybody gets a job somewhere that is not toxic and the culture is really great, et cetera, et cetera. But the most important thing at the interview It's not necessarily their culture or your culture or where you're from or where they're from. It's like, can you do the job? Can you help us? Can you solve this problem that we have? Right? Everything else, personally for me, it comes afterwards, right? Yes, there's culture interviews, you know, all of those things to see if you're fit for the company. And there's always ways where you can pass that. I mean, everybody just wants to hire a decent human being. And I feel like that's like the bare minimum that you can definitely showcase that, hey, I'm a good person to get hired. But everything else comes after. Now, the other side of that is how do you even make sure that this is a company culture that you want to work at anyway? How do you make sure you're not signing yourself up to a horror show? And that too comes with the kind of questions you ask as well, right? So ask about how they do things, not, you know, what's your what's your policy on this? How like think about what's important to you, right? You know. Team meetings, manager relationships, relationship within teams, especially if you have interview stages where you're meeting with the team members. Think about the things that are important to you for your role and ask those questions as well, right? Just come prepared with something that would help you really understand what kind of culture do they have here? What kind of manager am I going to be working with? What kind of teammates am I going to be working with? Look at their interactions. Look at the way... like. Even from the way the recruiter talks to you, trying to organize interviews, how are they reaching out? Are they, you know, are they, I've had recruiters that were very, just very flippant, et cetera. And I've had those that were very, oh, thank you so much. I would really love to talk to you. They call you up after every single interview. They ask you how you're doing. Like these things are not a perfect indicator of what the culture is, but it does tell a lot about where you're about to get yourself into. And those are things to just kind of look out for to make sure like, okay, this is actually somewhere I see myself working. Absolutely. Absolutely. She asked. Yeah, I, I like that. Your perspective is culture is not just like your cultural background, like where you're coming from, but also the company culture that also plays a role. So uh, because not all, not all companies are the same. So you can have like a bad impression if it's your first job. You say, oh, my God, people here are, are so tough or so difficult to deal. No, it's not. It's not the country. It's just that company doesn't have like the proper culture. Yeah, I think. I share this with not a lot of people agree with this, but I think as immigrants, this might be a trauma response, but we don't even always have the luxury to, to leave a company because of the culture, right? We want to pay our bills. We want to take care of our families. We want to put food on the table. We want to make sure we are, you know, all well taken care of. I mean, you just move to this new place. 
I've seen and I've heard too many stories of immigrants who are just like, I don't care what you people do. Just just pay me my money and let me go. Right. So I think for us as immigrants, it feels like a luxury sometimes to have to worry about a company culture. It takes a little bit of just leaving that survival mode that we came into the country with, leaving that survival mode and then being able to be like, oh, okay, now that I don't feel like I'm going to lose everything, I just worked so hard to get, what do I want? And then that's when we start to ask about, oh, what's the comfy culture like? What's this? What's that? What kind of place do I want to work? But honestly, before then, we just want to get paid and go home and take care of our families. That's very, that, that derives into two new questions for me. Uh, so I'm going to tell you the two questions at the time, but you don't have to answer both at the, at the time. So the first one is, what are some common beliefs that you think people should let go of? Because they are misconceptions. What are common misconceptions people should let go of? And from that derives a more specific question, which is, what are common mistakes people make when they are going through that interview process or that, uh, that um, recruiting process that maybe will limit their possibilities to access a job? So let's go first with, beliefs or misconceptions that they have to let go of in order to be able to have access or better access to better opportunities? I'll narrate the thing and then maybe I'll coin the word for it. But I think one of the first ones is assuming that people would know that you're really good at what you do. So I've seen this in like Facebook communities. They'd be like, well, yeah, I have like this many years of experience from my home country and I'm still not able to get a job. I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. It's kind of like assuming that the fact that you have a lot of experience would automatically translate into a job. It doesn't work that way. You have to make that connection for people, for your interviewers. You have to let them see, I have done this and this thing is going to fit this other thing you're hiring for. Therefore, you should hire me. You have to be able to draw that line for people in interviews. You can't just assume just because you've done a lot of things that would automatically translate to them seeing you as like, oh my God, we can't wait to have you. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to draw that line, right? And then your second question about... Oh, sorry, say the, say the second question again. I know, yeah, of course, of course. The second question is, what are like those mistakes people make when they are at, at an interview? So we just, you just mentioned one, for example, is speaking about you and your, your, your degrees or your whatever certificates, but not about how you can contribute that to, to the business. So actually that answers the second question. That's like another, so because of that assumption that people automatically know you're really great, when you then go into interviews or when you're prepping for your interviews, you don't take the time to translate your experience into what they need, right? You don't take the time to draw those lines and you know, identify, okay, what am I highlighting in this interview? Like I have a lot of specifications. Awesome. Which one is most relevant, right? I've done a lot of things. What is most relevant to these people and how can I emphasize that throughout this conversation that I'm having with them? People forget that interviews are human beings too, right? They just see like, oh, it's just a job. But when you're talking to a fellow human being, it's a much more engaging conversation when you're asking them questions about themselves. Oh, tell me about you. 
what's what are you doing what like when they feel like you're genuinely interested in them they pay more attention to you if you carry that same mindset into an interview you're able to see that oh wait i'm not just here to talk about me and everything i've done i have to do it in such a way that it plays into what they are looking for and that's really just the key interviewing is just about human needs and human communication as well a hiring manager wants somebody who's going to help them right a recruiter wants to hire somebody who is going to be a good fit for them and also look what's the word reflect well on their own hiring process a ceo wants to hire somebody who is going to help their business if you're not keeping these things in mind when you're having conversations with them you will get so carried away talking about you and your tools and the processes and the frameworks and the certifications that you have that you forget to link it back to what problem am i potentially going to help these people solve amazing amazing Okay, uh, let me check my other questions here. Uh, we covered misconceptions, we covered mistakes, and I, I, I really appreciate that you are uh, making the mistake or the misconception evident, but you are also proposing a solution to that, like what this is the right step to, to take or this is the right way to go. Now, overall, Mujida, what do you think could be strategies that people can, can implement to a start preparing themselves properly to perform well at a job interview what what will be like like the key three tips you will give a person so they can land that job they're looking for so number one start with applying to jobs you can do really really well right if you haven't migrated if you haven't left your country yet and you're still looking to like you know immigrate newly Prepare with that in mind. What kind of roles do you want to do when you land in that country? If you're already in the country, think about what you've done really, really well and try to find roles in that regard as well. You are a much more powerful interviewee when you're speaking from experience versus speaking from something you learned or something you just got certified in, right? That's one. Then the second is when you're prepping for your interviews as well, make sure that you're speaking to what the company needs, not just what you can do really, really well. So tie all of your experience, your knowledge, your skills, always, always tie back to the thing that they're hiring for, right? So, and the third part to that would also be lean into your experience, your expertise. Don't don't discount the work that you've done previously just because you did it in your home country. There's so much value that you can get out of that. You just really, really need to get good at pulling out the stories, pulling out the threads and relating it to what they need and what they are hiring for. And that will go such a long way in you know, progressing you through that interview process. And in the end, you do that often enough, you learn through the process, you make mistakes, you figure out what you're doing and what you can improve. You're practicing with other people as well. You will definitely land a really, really good job. That's amazing. And to wrap up, Mujida, and, and to emphasize a little bit the aspect of language. So because we want language to help us implement these key tips, we don't want language to be a barrier. Uh, and going back to, to the recommendations you gave a moment ago, what could be a tip for that person who gets very anxious or they get very nervous at the moment of having to see themselves or at the moment of being in front of the recruiter and having to speak in English, which, 
which is not their native language. Don't feel the need to rush or quickly answer or say something really fast. So, or, you know, take a deep breath, right? And really just ask yourself, what do they need or what do they want to hear from me? What do they need to hear from me to make a decision about hiring me? I think that's a better question, right? Rather than, you know, it happens in interviews. We forget things. You stumble on some answers. You're not saying something properly. Take a deep breath. Center yourself again and just ask yourself, what do these people need to hear from me to be able to make a decision on hiring me? Once you're able to focus back on that, it becomes a lot easier to start saying the right things because the only right thing you can say in an interview is what they want to hear. So it becomes so much more easier to start saying the right things. And like even just the act of taking a pause alone, it helps you gather your thoughts again. It helps you feel more centered. It helps with the nervousness and probably stumbling through your words. And you're able to start talking again a lot more calmly. It's a very important tool in interviews and not enough people do it. And I'd say another one that goes with that too is writing things down. When they ask you questions, nobody's going to penalize you for taking your time to answer. I mean, as long as you're not taking like 10 minutes or five minutes, right? But nobody will penalize you for taking your time to answer questions. If you feel like you need a minute to gather your thoughts, gather your answers, okay, they asked me a question. Oh, okay, could you give me a second while I put together an answer? Write things down, highlight the key things you want to say, make it look good to you, and then talk about it. There's no need to jump into answering questions. There's no need to like, oh, I want to impress them so well. I want them to know like I really, really know what I'm doing. Therefore, I'm just going to go ahead and rush. You don't need to. That doesn't necessarily make you look better. It just makes you seem more nervous and all over the place. So why not just take the time, gather your thoughts, gather yourself, and the words will come. You are already an expert at what you do. You just need to communicate that to them and that helps you communicate it to them. Amazing. So I'm sure all these these valuable tips are going to help our listeners land that job or perform better at those job interviews. Either, either if they are like already living in Canada or the States or it also has remote jobs because nowadays we have a lot of people in different countries of the world working from North American companies and being able to land those jobs. Amazing. Mujira, if people want to learn more about what you do, about your services, about how to land a job, how to perform well at a job interview online or on site, where can we find you? Where can we get more information about what you do? So um, I'm primarily on Instagram, but I just recently started sharing stuff to my LinkedIn as well. But on both platforms, Mujida Sakibu. So Mujida, M-U-J-I-D-A-H-S-A-K-I-B-U. So Mujida Sakibu, if you put that in LinkedIn or if you put that on Instagram, you will definitely find me. And I can't wait to you guys as well, virtually. <laughs> Great. For those listening, the links to Mujira's social media channels are going to be in the show notes. So you can just go click, tap and access that valuable information. Mujira, thank you very much for being with us today and for sharing all that knowledge with your audience. Thank you so much as well. I had so much fun. Those were really good questions. And yeah, I am. I am so excited. <laughs> thank you I'm so glad. much for having me. All right. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, your ultimate resource to enhance your English skills. Subscribe to our podcast to access new episodes and take your English skills to the next level. Feel free to contact us with any questions, suggestions, or specific topics you would like us to cover. 
Reach out at info at fluentenglishpro.com and visit fluentenglishpro.com for more resources. Until next time.